Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast with your co-hosts Andra Danice and Rahila Khan. And today we have a wonderful guest with us, uh, which completes, as we have recently called it, the Rainbow Souls uh, Unity. And uh, his name is Chris, but I would obviously let Rahila introduce him to you and you will find out the reason later on. Rahila? Warmest greetings, Andrada and Chris from warm sunny South Africa. Thank you again for this beautiful opportunity to co-host with you, Andrada. And what an amazing guest we have today, Phil the Rainbow Colors Lights. Um, and I had a quick chat with Chris. Uh, we meet under very mysterious circumstances, I must say, because um, you had asked him to connect with me and um, we only connected last month. It had to be during the lockdown, you see? Yes. And because it's so easy. interesting because when you look at Chris, yeah, yeah. And when you look at his profile, it's so beautiful because I'm very passionate about soccer. I'm very passionate about healthcare and I'm also very passionate about the rainbow. So, and I know you resonate very well with that yes. as well. So very warm welcome to you, Chris Roberts, all the way from South Wales. Uh, warmest greetings to you. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thank you. I can't complain. It's a nice sunny day out there. Um, I can see the trees, I can see the sun shining, I can see the blue skies, and I can see you both. So nothing Aww. to complain about whatsoever. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you for that. That's such a beautiful place to start with. Gratitude, hey, Andrada? For so sure. that the fact that we can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can smell, we can feel. And so much gratitude for that. So such a beautiful way to start this conversation this morning. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much that we have in common and that we, we want to share with, with our viewership out there. So Chris, Looking at, at uh, just your background speaks volumes. Uh, I'm talking literally background that's on your wall right now. I see you're very passionate about soccer and that you, you manage yeah. a, your own soccer team. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Um, what we did about 11 years ago was we came up with a, a mad idea. Um, it seemed a mad idea at the time where we uh, decided that we would play a football match to raise money for a particular charity. Um, going back then, it was a charity called Boots for Africa. And we decided that we would have this just one-off football game. And um, it's just armchair football fans. It's, you know, there was no kind of um, professionalism or anything like that. And it was just those who wanted to come together and have a game of football and raise money for charity. And we came together, um, a bit of a ragtag bunch. And um, this first match that we played, we actually raised two and a half thousand pounds for um, the Spoons for Africa. And um, once we'd done that match, we enjoyed it so much. We thought, you know what, we'll have another go at that next year. So we did it next year um, in 2010. And then all of a sudden it's just grown and grown and grown. And now we we play lots of football matches. I think we're close now to our hundredth football match in uh, eleven years. That's amazing. Nice. It's phenomenal. You know, um, I love your whole concept of charity. And something that happened, I'd love to share this, and you could chat more about it. Uh, when the Africa came into democracy with Nelson Mandela being released uh, from prison, something that united our country of diversity in bringing people together was sport. And he looked at soccer, he looked at rugby especially, uh, because rugby is more as an elite sport, and how he used sport to unite the whole of Africa and its diversity. So sport is a very unifying uh, sport, if I may say, especially soccer. Uh, in people together, when you look at the number of people 
that frequent different uh, leagues, as it were. And we you know the English Premier League is by far one of the best in the world. And it has a huge following as well. So isn't it beautiful that during the time we can use sport to bring people together? Am I correct in saying that, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um, we found that sport, um, it's, it works well with a human social conscience because it's amazing how this round ball can bring people together. Um, we've, like I say, we've been playing 11 years now, um, but going back to 1965, 1966, um, my dad used to play in a football team, um, but the way the way that it all started, or the way that I first started with with football, was um, I went to watch him when he played in a washing machine factory, and they used to have interdepartmental competitions, and he used to play, and he used to go in goal. So I didn't realise back then the power of a football, and I didn't realise the power of a work department playing football and the human social responsibility that came behind that because little did I realize obviously I realize it now but little did I realize back then that there was the physical element to playing that you get a lot healthier through the physical element um, you get a lot fitter um, through playing mentally you become a lot more developed and you feel part of a social group so you're integrating with others so your your social um, social side social skills were always being developed instead of uh, everyone being sat in front of the computer they were all playing with each other um, and another thing too is that they when they used to do these departmental football games they were obviously put in their workplace on the map as well because people would come along people would report it people would obviously share another thing too about this washing machine plant is that it was in the heart of a of town and everybody within the town and the local area worked in the factory so people knew each other socially externally to the factory as well so people would go to shops together they would go to pubs together that kind of thing and there was a great social interaction purely because there was a business that developed a football team or developed football teams and i think that we've lost that over the years and i think that's why um i'm so passionate about football now and community football because i think that we should go back to the old days again and i think we're in a position where after this pandemic, I think that it's a great idea for businesses and charities, communities, good causes to all come together again and to go back to those days. Because I think that, I think that if you're a business, you should be interested in your community because if not, why should your community be interested in your business? So I think there's a, a two-way thing going on between the two. Andrew, I'm sure you would have a lot to say about community building uh, and working your community in alignment with what Chris just said. Yes, I, I truly like uh, the association of uh, sports players in teams with businesses because I have always been for uh, collaboration in business instead of competition, right? So even sports teams, indeed, they have competitions, but I see them as being constructive, right? And what I understand from yep. what you're saying, Chris, is the fact that you are trying to bring this constructive, I would rather call it collaboration, in business, just like in sports. Yep. And I, I can't argue yep. that I'm only for that. So it's, it's really nice. 
And as for community building... Might yes. I add to... to... Go ahead, Rachel. Sorry, Andrada. No, that's okay. Please go ahead. No, no, no. Please finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lost you for a bit that you had finished. That's okay. Technology okay, might I add to what both of you said? And, and something that stands out, like what you said, Andrada, is to take the competition out of it. Uh, and what we're looking and what Chris said about this pandemic and how we're going to venture forth is in community building as it were, where communities come together and even sport must be played for enjoyment, for mm -hmm. the passion that you have uh, play the game. I know my son started playing soccer in a local football club when he was five years old. And something that the coaches always told the kids, you play for fun. It's not about winning. Yes. And the kids just yeah. enjoy themselves, whether they were in, in team A or B or C, but they just played and they enjoy. And I think Chris is so right and I so agree with you, Chris, when you say we kind of lost that thread of community and enjoyment rather than who is the best, like what you said, Andrada. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going forward after this pandemic, a whole new way of thinking. Am I uh, in alignment with what you're saying, Chris? Is that correct? We lost you for a second, Rahila. Would you like to repeat the last phrase, yeah. please? Um, I spoke about the communities coming together in building it and making it strong. Yes. Where we take the competition out, bring the fun back, the passion back, and how we work together as a team. I think in sport, we learn to become team players mm -hmm. and let the individual goals, in a way, fall by the wayside. Uh, and how do we contribute? We become contributors as used under the human beings are natural collaborators. Yes. That collaborate, we become team players to build a community, to build a team. So it's not about me, myself, and I. And that's what I was sharing with both of you before we got disconnected. Yes. Wonderful. I think too is that you're right in collaborating is the way to go forward. I think when we go back and think about business like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, we used to think back then that knowledge was king. So if we had knowledge, we had power. So that was in a different era. But I think the knowledge and the power shared is better for everyone because I think collaboration works works a lot better than it than it did as a standalone thing going back 20 years ago. Um, another thing about the teams too and competition and you know we we don't play in a football league. So what we do is we play once a month and the idea is that there is no pressure or no competition for our players. We want them to play for the enjoyment of playing. We don't want them to think, oh, we're playing today because we're the best. Um, I've been chosen today because I'm better than such and such a body. Hmm. They're playing because we want them to have fun and to obviously develop themselves, again, to develop social skills, but also to be a part of something in the community and actually something to help the community as well. So we want it to be a win, a win for everyone, but without the competition, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense if you ask me, Chris, because that's exactly what I was talking about, right? Um, rather collaborate yeah. and enjoy, just like you and Rahila said, instead of going against each other. So I truly agree to that. And yeah. I'm really happy that you brought that up because both Rahila and myself, and I understand that you, you two, are here to raise the consciousness and bring it to a whole new level by bringing 
in this exact paradigm shift from competition to collaboration and uh, from an old known uh, exchange um, coin, let's say, to another, right? So we're talking about shifting from the economic to the spiritual paradigm. So, yeah. Yeah. Rahila, would you like to add something here? Chris, might, might, I, ask, might, might I ask you the, the name for your team? It's uh, North Wales Dragons. How did you derive yeah. that name for your team? The North Wales is easy enough because that's the, um, that's the area of the UK that, that we are in. Um, the Dragons is taken from our national flag. So the national flag of Wales is um, half white, half green, but it's got a red dragon on, as, as the focal point. And everything that's associated with Wales is dragon related. And if you go back into, um, if you go back in time and if you go back into folklore and what have you, everything in Wales surrounds the dragon. So there seemed no, no better icon for us to play under than, than a dragon. And um, I think too, uh, you know, again, the, the dragons, I think is, when you initially think of a dragons, you think of fire, power, that kind of thing. Um, and I like to think collectively that we're a force for good, that again, within a community, dragons within the community it just has that has that uh, good set about it and uh, that, that's why we came up with the dragons oh lovely it's nice to know the history i didn't know that thank you for sharing that um the other thing you know i know by profession you are an engineer coming from the knowledge you've acquired uh, intellectual intelligence and how is that working for you in what you are doing coming from a space of humanity right now? Um, with regards to engineer, I've been an engineer since I was 16 years old so I've been doing really? this 40, oh, 44 years now so um, Wow. One thing I like about one thing I like about engineering at the moment is sustainability is part of our our world going forward. So I work a lot on green energy. So I do a lot with um, uh, which we say uh, ground source heating. Um, we do breathing buildings. We do um rainwater harvesting that kind of thing so there's lots of different aspects of solar power and um, there's lots of different aspects that i do in my engineering um on commercial buildings that kind of feed back into the community as well one thing that i've just done recently is i've been working with the university and this university has set up a field hospital and within this field hospital, um, there's been a lot of mechanical services, a lot of engineering stuff, and I've done my own contribution to that as well. And that that has a feel-good element that I can actually turn engineering into something good for the community locally as well. And funnily, funnily enough, we were talking about rainbows before, mm. and um, in Welsh we have. Um, a name for it and it's called Desputi Enfis and when you uh, translate that into English it means Rainbow Hospital. So beautiful. That is super amazing. Yes, you know what I love about the way and rather the way Chris has used the elements, mm -hmm. natural elements, and look at in the way he's brought it into engineering and the shapes. Engineering is all about bringing in shapes. Mm. Um, it's so interesting 
and that becomes like sacred geometry almost uh bringing in the colors i love the way you know you're saying in how you working with the rain water and and looking at it as a form of irrigation in harvesting the land uh, and creating sustainability and that is the way you know we should honor mother earth in giving back so that she gives back to us in so many ways in bringing in uh, the light energy of the rainbow as you know the seven colors of the rainbow gives us light so it's a light energy which which then becomes photosynthesis as in plants gives us nourishment so it's truly amazing chris in the way you are using the elements and you know it's so beautiful to teach future generations to teach children this so this podcast is really really interesting don't you think anradha it is very interesting and I'm, i i just have this thought you know um and for some reason i need to mention this that um i don't know if you know chris but i have two daughters one is 6 and one the other one is 7 uh but uh, the youngest one is so much drawn into rainbows so whatever uh she wants me to buy for her like toys clothes everything everything should have at least a bit of a rainbow on it you know so the last for instance the last toy that she received um as in for easter right it was this dragon by the way uh it was a sort of a <laughs> dragon or uh yeah dragon i think it was which had the tip of her um of her paws uh, in rainbow color uh oh it was a dragon unicorn ish stuff and the corn was also um in rainbow colors so look at that right so <laughs> there's a reason yeah. about that and certainly i am very drawn into you know unicorns and rainbows myself so yeah it makes a lot of sense you know speaking about that <laughs> yeah well funny enough um my wife recently we've got a friend and her daughter uh her middle name is actually called rainbow wow so what my wife did for her for christmas was uh, my wife's into knitting and she can make what they call reverse dolls so you can knit a doll but you peel it so that when when it when you peel it the opposite way it brings out a different costume so mm. what my um my wife did for our friend was she actually knitted one of these reverse dolls and on the inside when you peeled it back the costume that she was wearing was the colors of a rainbow wow oh man that is super creative eh <laughs> yes i'll have to send you a photo to show you what what it is that, that she did oh we'd love to see that we'd really well that's so interesting you know it's so beautiful to meet different people uh and and learning you know when we stay open look at how much we're learning from each other today Mm. I'm really astounded by what you just shared about this doll and and how unique it is uh and how we use color as well. You know the most interesting thing because I'm a color therapist as well in learning and working with colors for the past 30 years. Um in how all the colors give us light but each color has a positive and a negative because everything is energy as you know so it will always have the positive and the negative to bring it into balance and looking at the rainbow colors how each of the colors symbolizes something within us as well and again and rather we bringing in the natural elements of light in a really seem to be a very passionate color it motivates you it makes you just feel good um yeah on the flip side too much red will raise your blood pressure for example mm-hmm. and blue is a very calming color and relaxes you so if you want to do public speaking and if you want to communicate to open your vocal cords then you wear blue especially for an interview for example blue just calms the energy down 
and green symbolizes abundance and opens a heart center. And the new color for the heart center is pink. And, and so forth, you know. So yellow is seen as a color that stimulates the mind. So we always encourage children who are studying for an exam to have some yellow plant or, uh, sorry, a flower or just a yellow dot on the wall that's, that stimulates the mind, the mental capacity to, to absorb more. It keeps you going as it were, but yellow also symbolizes harvest and abundance in that way. and also brings a lot of joy, the color yellow, but you can't have too much of everything. So it's always about the balance. Mm. And uh, looking at the rainbow and the hospital, I think it's such a beautiful concept that you're bringing in all these elements into the hospital and you're so in tune with nature. And I think it's such a beautiful teaching. If we can teach medical students this, if we can teach children this, if, we, yeah. if the educators in the classroom could teach from a place of how the universe works, the universal laws. And it comes back then to Anrada, what we always talk about in shifting consciousness, global consciousness, is how to nurture and to look after nature but also bringing nature into the body. Like understand with all the elements, Chris, like you're talking about the land and harvesting, we are eating that. So we, we are what we eat. So the more we honor animals and plants and bring more love into it of caring, nurturing and loving it, the more loving we become in ourselves and that we thank the plants, even before we harvest it, we give thanks, we appreciate it. And this is a new concept of uh, moving from economic paradigm to spiritual paradigm to unity consciousness is the more we appreciate the abundance of nature, the mm -hmm. more the value appreciates, the more it appreciates in value as it were. So appreciate, we appreciate it within ourselves, but it appreciates in that it will grow superfluously. We will always have superfluous abundance and prosperity. That is the new currency arising out of our thoughts. And this is what we put out in giving thanks and appreciating in value every single thing, even the air we breathe. It appreciates in value because we are appreciating every breath we take. And I think that is the shift in teaching in education. And that's what I'm bringing forth as an educationist in teaching via our YouTube channel. These are the messages we bringing forth uh, in, in educating humanity as it were in how we can shift our thinking to be better. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> um, one thing that you mentioned before about teaching um, students, but like particularly from from my point of view, I get asked by um, by the Welsh government to go and speak in universities, um, and I go and speak to students about what they can do with engineering and how they can develop themselves through engineering. But I also uh, tell them the story of the dragons about how we started and how how everything is connected mm -hmm. and it, it's a weird old story because there's so much alignment that every time I go and speak to a new set of students there's always a new set of alignment that's come in from somewhere mm -hmm. so you know we were talking about rainbows and how there is a an alignment between us all with rainbows we go out there and we find there's an alignment with students. Students will, will have picked up on something and we take it in a way that they they understand and they appreciate. Um, so I think we're quite fortunate in having a strange mix of engineering and football stroke soccer that we can take that into a student's classroom and we can um, we can engage them, we can engage the, the pupils or the students um, through, through either both of those mediums or those together. That's beautiful, Chris. That's um, wonderful. 
might I interject here? Uh, because I have um, a recommendation for the audience and uh, maybe a slight suggestion for you, Chris, um, because you're already providing a lot of value to your students. And um, I'm seeing that you are teaching them from a lot of perspectives. So um, I would like to reference one of Rahila's tracks from her second CD, which is precisely about the rainbow, uh, the rainbow colors and, uh, you know, uh, significance of each color. So maybe with your teaching, um, I don't know, I'm just thinking that maybe if there would be the time for you to uh, play to your uh, team players or to the students that you are teaching, at least a bit of that track so that you leave them with this taste of discovering their own selves a bit further you mm. know it's just yeah. um, just an idea <laughs> yeah uh thank you andrada for that suggestion that was the whole idea of those recordings uh, my second cd in being human leadership of love being human is finding the human being within us first in how we embrace the elements of nature. Mm -hmm. And the first, the, the second track on that CD, as you know, is Finding Me More. In using the simple art of breathing and connecting with nature, in how we breathe in oxygen and with the outbreath, we release carbon dioxide and we connect with the plants and the vegetation and the whole earth as it were. So it is giving and receiving and being totally present to that experience. That's what Anrada is talking about, Chris. Yeah. However, that CD, that track, I, I, I did email it here. Uh, the rainbow colored socks, you know, the healing rainbow is how we bring the light of the colors of the rainbow in how it allows and facilitates healing in the body in using the different colors and, and how that can then transmute hurt and pain and let go of that ice block as it were. You know, so, so many of us are so hard in within. Uh, we're carrying so much baggage of our old wounds and we've not healed it. And going forward, I work a lot with, with medical doctors in South Africa. They come to me for one-on-one -on -one work and lots of them are moving towards this way of healing because they're very fascinated with the results I get from the work I do. Um, especially with people before surgery and post-surgery or any kind of illness as it were, prepare them for that. And how we bring in the rainbow colored light, for example, into the medicine and, and you know, transform the medicine into something beautiful. You know, it's, it, and, we, and right now we're in a similar space with this pandemic. We need to build our immune system. Mm -hmm. The stronger our immune system is, nothing can get in if we have that filter around us of light. So where there is light, there can never be darkness. And this is where humanity needs to be educated to raise a vibration in shifting consciousness in how we can overcome disease and illnesses. We must put out the programming going forward. Never again must there be this kind of infection or pandemic. We have the potential to do that just by shifting our thinking. And, and if each person comes up with this positive thinking and being optimistic, we can surely overcome all of this. And, and looking at sport in how you are using sport together with your engineering, uh, I love the whole concept of what you're doing because you are addressing the physical component, the mental component, and the social component. That's a winning recipe. So imagine if each small community begins working this way, Chris, and also bringing the environment in its holistic model. I love it. I absolutely love it. It resonates with my soul. And therefore, I was saying to Anrada, we couldn't wait to have this conversation with you today. I was so excited. I even told my son, I'm so excited. I'm going to chat with Chris from North Wales, you know? And, and I'm, so, I'm so grateful and so honored and privileged to meet such an amazing, incredible being of light, which is you. 
and you truly resonate light. Am I right, Anradha? For sure. For sure. It's absolutely incredible. As I said, I like how all the aspects are being combined, um, combined, intertwined, and sent out to uh, the communities that you are working with. So you might observe a bit of a difference in the arrangement. That is, we had to jump off for a bit and then come back. Uh, just technical stuff. But during this short, tiny break, um, I have a title, you know, coming to my mind. And I just want to share it with everyone right now and with Chris um, here because while he and Rahila were talking, um, the title of Engineering Dragons and Rainbows came to my mind for this very uh, episode of the podcast. I think it's, you know, um, it says a lot about what I just uh, mentioned before this short break, how everything ties in so beautifully. So I'm really happy, Chris, for you know, you bringing all these aspects to our conversation today. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you. I'm honoured to come along. I'm, I'm humbled to come along, to be honest, because, uh, you know, we, we we kind of do things in the background quietly. And when, you know, we, it, it's always nice to receive some kind of recognition for what everybody does who is involved with the Dragons. But, you know, it's... Uh, Thank you for today. It's been it's been good. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. How beautiful this is because I see that we can put together lots of teachings uh, for humanity through our through our channel YouTube channel. But Chris can also use it through his platforms as well in the messages we bring to future humanity. Uh, in a collective consciousness of embracing earth energy, in fact, universal energy, and looking at the earth and the elements and how do we teach and re-engineer. And, and look at how amazing this is because my work is re-engineering the DNA for new humanity, which I'm literally doing. Yeah. And here comes the engineer <laughs> who is looking at the natural elements and re-engineering the DNA for humanity in how he's doing it through sport and through intellectual knowledge of engineering. This is just incredible. It's just so beautiful how everything ties in. Synchronicity at its best. That's all I can say. For sure, for sure. And I would like to also add here what I see is that we have three very powerful elements through. So I see like that. In the engineering, I see the earth, everything that has to do with the, the earth. Through dragons, I see everything that has to do with nature and animals, right? And through rainbows, um, so through dragons, whatever has to do with animals, and through rainbows, everything that has to do with nature. So again, everything is just, as you said, all dots connect incredibly beautiful. And I thank you so much for introducing me. You're welcome, both of you. Although my part of the mystery is that I have no idea how I got connected to Chris. Um, I can't remember. It's a complete blank in my head, I swear. <laughs> and Chris, I do hope that, um, you know, you'll just take it as it is. You were human. You know, we're subject to adjustment, change, um, forget. <laughs> But I'm really happy that it happened, regardless of the reasons, regardless of the circumstances that we came um, to interact at that point. But I'm really, really happy that I felt called to connect you with Rahila and that we are the three of us here today. I'm really grateful for that. I think, you know, sometimes things just happen. For sure. And <laughs> we don't know how they happen they just happen and sometimes it's it's a bit like way beyond comprehension as to how it's happened but if it's good you just go with it and exactly. i think that's what's just happened is that the three of us don't really know how it all started but we know where 
we know where the mop has just flopped kind of thing so you know we're we're all here so you know that's the beauty of the unknown right in the end that's it yeah yeah <laughs> Really. And, you know, I think trust is the most important thing as well. You know, yeah. uh, with Chris and I, we connected and and I just trusted the process that we need to have a call. And he, we both agreed and we had a beautiful chat. And uh, one thing led to the next and here we are on this podcast, you know. So it's also trusting the process as it were. I think that's also very important and having faith that whatever is materializing here and now will be of paramount importance going forward in how we're going to emerge from this pandemic and the greater lessons that we take forward in mm. how we're going to respect and love nature and also our fellow human beings in loving them and bringing them on board in, in just loving Mother Earth, in giving back. I think that's very important for yeah. me going forward. Um, well, so, so might I ask me. you, Chris, what, is, what are your plans, your vision going forward? Um, pretty much to develop what we've come to already. Um, we have our own football team now, um, North Wales Dragons. Uh, we've also got what we call a sister football team which is Merseyside Thunder, and they're based in Birkenhead, which is just outside Liverpool. And uh, when I formed the, or when we formed the Dragons, um, it was myself and my two sons who put it together. Um, one of my eldest sons has moved away and got married, and now he lives in Merseyside. So he took the model, and he's done the same thing there. So we've actually got a football team over in England as well that is doing a very similar thing to what we're doing. Um, and he's taken the knowledge with him to, to put that together. Um, in South Wales, there is a team that we've been working with and they've done a very similar thing um, where they put together a football team based on our model. So going forward, what we would like to do is we would like to put more football teams together. Um, we're just putting together a women's team at the moment, but we would like more football teams um, over across Pan Wales. Uh, we would like to do it in the UK. Um, and there is no reason why this cannot be done across the world. It's not a thing that's unique to Wales. This is a thing that can actually be done in every corner of the world. It, it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a huge thing that, that could be done, but in the scheme of things, it isn't. All it needs is somebody with a love of football, somebody with a heart, somebody who's involved with a community, somebody who's got a good cause something that's close to their heart and it doesn't have to be about football neither it can be about adventure you know we've got lots of hills mountains sea out there you can take this model and put it for someone who just wants to go and walk they can walk and do stuff for the community while they're at it and again it's you know i, I say it's about football but it's sport and adventure and you can take sport and adventure to the top of Everest. You can, you know, there is so many different aspects. And like I say, this isn't exclusive to our part of North Wales. Anybody across the world can do it. And I think that probably what I want to do going forward personally is try and encourage as many people as possible to do it for themselves, but do it for community as well. Wow, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I would like to jump in for a second here and ask you, um, Chris, based on just you, uh, what you just said, but going a bit uh, before that, right, at the beginning of all this adventure of yours. So linking it a bit with the trust uh, into the process that Rahila has brought into discussion, 
And I would like to ask you in terms of trusting the process, right? Um, how was your trust challenge throughout all this adventure of building both your uh, football team and the hospital, the Rainbow Hospital that uh, you are right now managing? I think um, when we first put the Dragons together, uh, we were doing various things for various charities. Mm -hmm. um, then going into 2015, July the 17th, 2015, I had a heart attack mm -hmm. and the heart attack nearly finished me off. So I spent five days in an intensive care unit and I bounced back. Um, that was a, a period of time where I considered who I was, where I was, um, what I was going to be going forward. But it made me do a lot of reevaluating as to what I'd done with my life previously and to to the way I worked up until that point. And prior to then, I don't think I'd ever trusted my own instincts or my own ability. And I think that, that time was a divining point where I thought, you know what, going forward, I know what I've done with my life. I know what I want to do with my life in the future. And that made me think, okay, we, we've, we've done a lot of work with charities in the past, but what I want to do now is I want to promote heart awareness everywhere I could because people were saying to me, you need to slow down. You, you're doing too much. You're working too many hours. And we all have this air of invincibility about us so we say we're fine you know i've got to this point nothing's happened i can get through tomorrow nothing will happen and i think maybe that's why many people are falling victims to the pandemic as well is because there's an air of invincibility that they go out and say oh, i won't catch it it won't happen to me but the thing with health is that any any disruption of the mechanics of health can happen to anyone at any time. And I think that what we have to do is we have to trust ourselves to um, know that this could happen. And I think going forward, I've got enough trust in myself that I know my own body now as to what I can do, what I can cope with. And I think... Although it was a bad lesson, it was a valuable lesson. And, you know, I don't suppose that we should appreciate heart attacks, but in this sense, I did appreciate the heart attack. Not that I would wish it on anyone because I'm, you know, I, I used to play football. I used to play every Friday night. I used to go in goal. Those days are gone. I can't do that anymore. I can only watch. And, um, you know, it, they are life life-changing things life-changing episodes and i think for me you know if i was to define trust it's that day i think that that kind of puts it in perspective for me okay and tying it to building your team um was there a time when you were challenged when this belief of yours in the process was challenged? Um, with the team itself, you kind of feel, should I take a step back from it all? Um, should I allow others to do what they want to do? But I somehow I've always felt the dragons as a calling that I need to be involved. If I didn't do anything else in life, I would still love to be involved in the Dragons in some way. And I suppose this is why I think that taking the Dragons forward, and I'd just like to see it become more of a, 
more of a thing for good just in our corner of the world. I would like it to see a thing for good all over the world. Like I say, if, if you, you know, we all have these ambitions and we all have something that makes us kick our legs out of bed every morning. Yeah. And I think that what what gets me to kick my legs out of bed in the morning is I think, you know what, today is a different day. I'm awake, I'm alive, I can do something. I can do something that will make a difference. Perhaps it won't make a difference today, but it might make a difference tomorrow, five, ten years, twenty years when, you know, when the world changes. So that's that's probably how how I think the trust in the team. And I think there's enough people in the team as well. You know, we've got seventy five players who who play for us. Um who who will come and and do their thing. And I think that um if if we could you know have some of those in the team who would actually go forward and start building their own their own um elements of it as well and i'm sure i'm sure that there's uh there's room there for for people to to do good i think what we probably suffer with at the moment is we have three of us who are involved all the time um and it's all on our shoulders but i think if we were to relax it and say listen you go with it you take you take something of this and you do some good with it. And if that was built into the team in Merseyside, if that was built into the team in South Wales, you imagine if that was built into the teams all over the world, if you said to one of those individuals, two of those individuals, you go out and do your own bit of good and see what you come back with and see what a difference you can make, I bet there would be some fantastic stuff that would be produced. So again, you know, I've got I've got trust in the people in the team. Plus, I've got trust in those who would actually form other teams and the way their team members can go as well. So you're actually growing future team creators, so to speak, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. Go another ahead. thing too. Sorry. Another thing too is when we go to schools or when we go to colleges. What we try and do is we we tell them our journey and we we say that we want them to be the best that they can be so we want to give them the spark of an idea that they will either go and play for a team or they will go out and do some kind of adventure or the other thing is that they will actually set something up themselves that they will feel inspired um, because we we deal with um, some some places where um, students have been excluded, mm. so they've been excluded from mainstream school and they've gone into a school where the system has got no hope for them. Well, I'm not going in there as an educator. I'm going in there as somebody who's stumbled across something good mm. and has had a good experience from it. And they, you get you get students that have got no interest in education whatsoever. They they couldn't care, they couldn't care what two plus two is. They couldn't care where New York is. Um, they they couldn't care what X Y Z over three plus one is. These students, all they want to do is they want something that just satisfies their mind and satisfies their heart and you can sit down in front of a student we like one-to-one -one, you can sit down in front of a student and you don't even talk about education you you can start off by saying what did we watch on tv last night and soon after a conversation of 10 minutes you can you can tell what what is interesting in that student because he'll he'll tell you she will tell you whatever they did last night and they may have a hobby and you know they've been excluded from from school they're in this different school they'll have a hobby you can sit down and you can talk to them about the hobby and all of a sudden from somebody who is disengaged and probably hates every teacher and every lecturer in the world 
this one who's disengaged all of a sudden has a spark. Yeah. And once you get that spark, and once you start developing a conversation with them, they then gauge a mutual respect because you will always have something that you can engage with them about. You'll, you'll know something. And once they think that you know it, and once they think that you've got an interest in it, they'll jump on board with you. And you'll find that they've got a hobby. And you say to them, well, this hobby, have you ever thought about turning it into something that might actually fill your heart or even fill your pocket one day? We had a, a guy who was um, very interested in dogs. And he said, he, he said oh, he's, uh, we've got three dogs. I love my dog. We're taking my dog out every day on the moors. We haven't given it a run and what have you. And then he, and then he likes such and such a food or he, he doesn't like doing this. Or, you know, he gets a bit tired after six o'clock and he won't go out and say, well, how about working with dogs? You know, have you ever thought about working with dogs? And he said, how, how do you mean? So I said, well, I said, you have working dogs. And he said, well, like farmers, like sheepdogs. So they said, well, no, is it like you have um, dogs who work for customs, you know, sniffer dogs and that kind of thing, uh, dogs who work with it. And that instantly set a spark with him. And all of a sudden, this lad who was disengaged and hated everything about school was also interested now about how he could take his career forward. So it's, um, yeah, that, that, that's all a bit interesting. I, I think I went off on one and uh, kind of went off on a tangent, maybe. It's, it's actually very interesting because uh, in the last bit, you have been speaking about a topic that is very dear to my heart, and that is active listening. Isn't that, you know, by engaging, you know, uh, to manage to engage students that are not interested in anything, anything, uh, by just actively listening to them. Isn't that incredible? Right? Yeah. Beautiful. You know, uh, Chris, what you shared is super brilliant. I absorbed every bit of what you said. Um, in shifting paradigm, this is an entire paradigm shift in how this pandemic is teaching us about uh, education and as an educationist this is how I am working with children as well and I have a family in my community project where the father cannot read and write and both the sons are the same and we put them into a mainstream school and as a community even the educators and the principal because it's a it's a private school we all got together in how we're going to support this family and it's interesting listening to what you said the father although he cannot read and write manages his own little corner shop and the kids could not be in a mainstream school by the time they got to grade 10 and we had to take them out of school and then at the moment now because of the lockdown we cannot uh, put them anywhere else so the best way to teach is to come from your own experience. And I think what, what I gathered from what you said, and this is my thinking as well, is that we're at a place now where we all got to dig deep into our intuitive intelligence. Mm. And what's coming to the fore is our DNA and the wisdom filters of tapping into our wisdom filters of our ancestral lineage. Um, Looking at myself, for example, I know coming through my ancestral lineage, I have my wisdom filters teaches me about business. It is ingrained in my DNA, uh, business acumen, uh, creative thinking, innovative thinking, and living your passion. Uh, irrespective of, we don't want to fit in a box. We don't want to be uh, like a square in a circle, because square in a circle cannot turn. So these children want that kind of guidance uh, and they want to be close to nature and, and they want to find their own way. And it's sad, you know, in the, in the 21st century, our education system, and I think I can speak globally, uh, our education system actually fails our children yes. because they do not cater for everyone. 
And because there are so many children in a classroom, the teacher wants to find an easy way of how to control and manage them. Of course, it's not entirely their fault. And I think this leaves a window of opportunity, and rather, in how we can teach children. Like right now, during this lockdown, most parents, including yourself, and rather, you're looking for online schools or online teaching. And I think even if we can render this kind of service, even if it's for half an hour in bringing some teaching like the way we are talking, that we're saying it's okay to be that way uh, and guide them through that, that they find their way, they find their own shining diamond within them and they can let it shine and just wipe off all the mud of what society thinks, what anyone else thinks in lumping their norms, their belief systems onto us. I totally salute you, um, Chris, for what you are doing in community building. I think this is such an incredible holistic model. In South Africa, I've worked with a holistic model very much like you. And the success rate we got from me giving my time once a week on every Wednesday for the past 20 years. And the success story we have, even with the dyslexia, is super amazing because we allowed the individual to shine their own light in how they choose to do it, irrespective of what teachers say, what society says, what parents say, or the family say, that we allow every human being to come into their own space, their own talents, and become these servant leaders. You know, you go beyond age. Young children are amazing uh, leaders. So we don't need, we need leaders without titles, as it were. And I love, again, what you're doing through soccer and how you're building communities through engineering, using the natural resources together with unpacking human potential. And I think this is, this is just super amazing. I'm really blown away by this chat today. And thank you once again, Andrada, and thank you, Chris, for sharing so profoundly. I think this is truly inspiring and most insightful for me. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. It is. It is um, really inspiring. Something like when, when I was 50, our, our school leaving age was 16. And when I was 15, I pretty much gave up on school. I hated it. I really hated school with the black group. And um, I used to, I used to go off into the, into the wilderness rather than go to school. Um, I used to go to my nan's house and go and hide away in my nan's house um, so that my mum and dad didn't track me down. They thought I was in school behind a desk. I wasn't. I was in, in school. Um, I was in, in my nan's house hiding behind her sofa whenever anyone turned up. Um, and when it came to 16 years old, I left school and I had no qualifications whatsoever. And... Um, Fortunately, I managed to get an apprenticeship as an engineer purely because my dad knew someone who had uh, an engineering business. And I'm thankful for that because that was the start of my education in life. And what I've done in life, okay, there's a lot of it that has been more by luck than judgment because without that initial step on the road when I was 16, an uneducated 16-year-old, I kind of think to myself that, okay, I, I left school at 16 without any, any qualifications. These have been excluded from school without any qualifications. But if they have an aptitude or if they have some kind of a skill, then... I would hope that somebody would bring would bring that to their attention when they're 13, 14, 15 years old so that they can be told, you know what, university isn't everything. If you are not equipped for going to university, either in your heart or educationally, at least when you leave, you've got something that you can think about and something you can 
go towards when you leave school that you know that there will be a future and i think that's what we probably fail in our education system at is we're pushing students all the time to attain um to attain the ability in exams and i think that is so daunting for for children nowadays and i think there is far too many pressures in life than to give them exams all the time and i think that they should be shown a pathway that you can actually as a 13 14 year old you can actually think for yourself and you can think what you want to do in the future but without the pressures of going through any exam to do it that there is a world out out there that will suit you and for something that you will enjoy doing yeah thank you for that chris and i will take that as um let's say the message that you would like to send to the audience as a closure because we are getting very very short on time but before we end this discussion i would like to ask you if people would like to connect with you further on how can they find you and reach out to you okay we're um i'm chris roberts on linkedin and we're also on facebook you can find us as north Wales dragons on facebook we're on instagram as north Wales dragons we're on twitter as n wales dragons um, and you can even drop me a line at chris at northwellsdragons.co.uk um, if you just search North Wales Dragons on the internet we we are quite visible you can track us down one way or another but if anyone wants to have a chat with us or wants to get in touch we'd, we'd love to hear from them we're quite happy to share what whatever it is that we've been up to right today been happy to share this this has been great and i appreciate both of you thank you thank you for being here today chris and rahila both thank you andrada for a fabulous podcast and to chris thank you so much it was truly enlightening much love and blessings to both of you and our viewers bye now have a wonderful Bye-bye. day ahead Thank <laughs> you.